0: Welcome to Fin Insight, the global financial institutions industry podcast. My name is Chris Muir, a US attorney based in the Zurich office of Baker McKenzie. I am in the FinTech and Compliance Investigations Practice Groups. Joining me today is Iris Barson, who works in the Paris office. She specializes in financial services regulation and data protection issues, with a particular focus in new and disruptive technologies. She was also one of the authors on the Insured Tech, Opportunities and Legal Challenges for the Insurance Industry article. Hi, Iris. Uh, could you give the listeners a little more background on your expertise and your experience in the financial services and insurance sector?
1: Yes, hello, Chris. Thank you so much. So, um, as you already said, I'm in the financial services practice group, but I also do compliance and data protection. I used to be, in a former career, a data protection officer, um, and I used to work with the French uh, bank supervisor, bank and insurance supervisor. Uh, and finally, I'm an assistant professor, and in this um, in this field, I. I uh, frequently do some research uh, with my students and I publish articles on uh, new technologies and financial regulation. I uh, um, started a project with my students a couple of years back on the autonomous vehicle at a time where there wasn't a lot of research and publication. And obviously, we also worked with insurers on uh, this question.
0: That's great. So, I think we're going to have an interesting conversation today about InsurTech. And so, I think we could get started.
1: Exactly. Chris, perhaps you would like to start and explain what InsurTech is and how it fits in the insurance uh, value chain?
0: Sure. So, insure tech is the use of technology within the insurance industry, uh, but the term is usually used in the context of new strategies, tools, or processes that leverage technologies in innovative ways, in ways that are different than the current status quo. And insure tech is under the larger fintech umbrella. Uh, that term being used for how technology is used in financial services in general. Uh, insure tech applies to the entire insurance value chain. So from product design to sales and distribution to underwriting and claims adjusting, uh, claims processing. Um, All industries can work better with more data. I think that's just a universal concept, but insurance in particular, I think is a data industry because in, simple terms, the more data insurance companies have, the better that they can provide a suitable product, assess the customer's risk profile, and underwrite the policy. So what we would call big data, a way of pulling data from multiple and varied sources, it provides new opportunities and analytics to create better, more innovative and unique products and to better assess risks. Uh, Blockchain and distributed ledger technology is another tool leveraged in the InsurTech field. Uh, this is a technology that can be used to share data among several unrelated parties, which would reduce inefficiencies and inaccuracies caused by saving data across several different databases and systems. And blockchain is also a technology that can be used to incorporate contract terms into self-executing computer code, uh, what most people would refer to as smart contracts. Another concept that we see used in the InsureTech space is artificial intelligence, or AI, and that can be used to better assess risk profiles of customers by interpreting various data points relative to past incidents. Uh, it can also learn that some data points are proxies for certain types of risk behaviors that should be considered in underwriting the policy. Uh, Uh, AI is also used with claims handling and fraud detection uh, by assessing whether a person making a claim on a policy is demonstrating characteristics that would be indicative that the claim is false, fraudulent, or misleading. So now we'll take a minute to talk about recent significant developments in the insured tech market. We've observed companies offering insurance to consumers where the entire interface is through an app. So there's no forms, there's no using pen or paper or regular mail. The customer can add information in an in app via chat window, and the companies then use what they refer to as an AI tool to propose a product that best suits the customer's profile. When the customer makes a claim, they don't fill out forms, they can just provide information via the app, or perhaps in a recorded video in the chat window. Another novelty we've seen is that some companies say that they will donate at least part of the unclaimed premiums. So if a customer pays into a policy and never makes a claim, part of those premiums go to a charity of the customer's choosing. The idea is that this is a way for the company to reduce their conflict of interest in deciding whether or not to accept a claim. Idris, do you have anything that you would like to add from France?
1: Yes. Um, let me perhaps say a word about how incumbent insurers interact with uh, these new insure tech startups. Uh, insure tech startups uh, have the advantage of not being regulated and therefore have to comply with less Rules, And very often it starts with outsourcing, whereby an incumbent insurer will either buy services from a startup or outsource certain uh, activities to the startup. And eventually, the startup will then look into the regulation, depending on the costs and on the advantages uh, that provides it. It will apply either for a registration as an intermediary or uh, eventually also for uh, an insurer in in order to be able to provide itself uh, insurance contracts. In France, we've had the first two licenses, uh, one for an insurance intermediary, another one for an insurance, uh, and these have been uh, given uh, by the French regulator, and it's the first license since 30 years so it's not a very, uh, a very um, uh, dynamic business. I mean, there are a lot of incumbent insurers and we, we have the newcomers and there's been nothing in between 30 years. And then finally, uh, insurers might also think about internalizing some of these uh, new uh, uh, services uh, either by developing uh, them themselves or finally perhaps buying uh, a startup or creating some joint ventures with startups. So basically, this is how, um, how the interaction most of the time takes place.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so we've talked touched upon some of these concepts already, but I'd like to breathe a little more life into them. So, like AI, big data, blockchain, and distributed ledger technology have been hot items hot items in the financial industry generally. Uh, how have you seen that these have been impacting the insurance industry specifically?
1: Yes, well. Chris, you actually mentioned them already in your introduction. Um, If we take blockchain, for example, in practice right now, it is very useful for the smart contract aspect, right? And the automation of processes. So we've seen a couple of insurers proposing the flight insurance uh, that was totally based on a smart contract, whereby the contract was concluded, obviously, uh, online and uh, there was was a built-in mechanism in the smart contract that uh, checked automatically whether a flight had uh, a delay, and executed the the contract instantly as soon as the information, yes, a flight had a delay, was confirmed. Right, and so uh, the the policy holder didn't have to do anything. It didn't have to file any paperwork uh, and anything, and it was smooth and easy and uh, and way more more efficient than uh, than traditional flight uh, delay insurance contracts so right now blockchain is interesting for insurers because of this contractual automated process in uh, executing the agreement if uh, you are in a situation where you have an easy agreement, right? So, it's easy to determine, well, there is a flight delay and so um, the contract is executed instantly. But with time, one could also imagine that uh, one could use blockchain, for example, uh, in order to better manage uh, the personal data of policyholders, right? For for example, the European Commission is thinking a lot about how can we use blockchain in order to empower the data subject to better control the use and the transfers uh, that some, uh, some um, controllers do. Uh, do of the data, right? So one can imagine that with time, and perhaps if blockchain becomes more performant, and perhaps if it can, if you have uh, solved the scalability problem, uh, it can also, it could also be used, uh, for example, to track what data does the insurer have on the data subject, and how uh, does the the insurer use this data, right? Or to manage, uh, for example. Uh, the consent of the data subject. So if the insurer wants to do something else with the data that is not covered by the insurance contract um, and needs the consent of the data subject, in that case, the data subject could perhaps check and give consent through a blockchain and check what is done with Uh, his or her data once the consent is given. If we take big data analytics, you said it also, big data analytics is actually the food for the algorithms, right? Um, AI and even blockchains are based on algorithms, and algorithms need data to analyze. And we have more and more data that is available because we produce more and more data. Uh, We produce it and put it on on the market through social networks, the internet, at blogs, whatever, uh, whatever uh, means um, we use to publish data on ourselves, so this data becomes available to the insurer, and it wasn't available yesterday, and therefore the insurer can uh, can um, collect or identify new patterns, new risk, and ultimately develop new products. But uh, there are also devices, um, quantified self devices that some insurers propose to policyholders. So if you, for example, accept a black box that is registering how you drive in some countries, you can pay your uh, car insurance based on your uh, driving. Or you can use um, these tiny little watches or um, app applications on your smartphone that track your way of life. What do you eat? How much do you exercise? And so on and so forth. And if an insurer, for example, identifies that you have a very, very healthy way of life, so your risk is reduced, one might propose you a reduced pol- uh, a reduced premium to pay, right? So big data is really um, the gathering of all the data you can obtain. And then the algorithms are analyzing this data and discovering, by the way, new patterns. And uh, therefore, you can perhaps even new risk, probably, for example, let's think about the cyber risk, because the more you use these new technologies, the more you are exposed to new risks. And these risks also need insurance insurers. Right. And finally, AI, AI uh, can be combined to these other technologies and can be used, for example, for subscribing new insurances. Uh, you have chatbots. You can handle claims through AI. You can easily detect fraud and so on and so forth. So um, uh, it it makes AI makes the whole insurance process more efficient, right? So this is how um, it could be used. Um,
0: so great, that's that was really helpful and informative. So how are governments reacting to these developments? Is, is regulation keeping up with the pace? Uh, what are your observations?
1: Well, it's a broader question on how governments, um, well, keep pace with new technologies in general. So this is not specific to the insurance sector because it is the the global debate about fintech and rec tech um and uh, as usual uh, legislation comes always in a second step right innovation comes first new products new processes come first and eventually the regulator tries to catch up and uh, in the end you will f- have some regulation coming if we realize that there is uh, something lacking right but in practice um We noticed that it depends on the region on how this learning process uh, takes place. Some governments... are easily adopting sandboxes, for example, whereby you create a space where, uh, well, these new startups, um, um, this disruptive can test this disruptive technology and apply it to, uh, apply it to, to regulated products and see and learn from each other, right? The startup learns from the regulator the regulator learns from the startup and, and, and familiarize themselves with, well, uh, the set of regulations why we need this regulation, why it works this way, and on the other hand, how new technologies work. Um, but some other countries are a little bit more reluctant to sandboxes because bottom line, the idea is that the law should be the same for everyone and uh, there should be a level playing field between incumbents and, and new startups. Uh, and therefore, they they say and they definitely have an open-minded um, attitude towards innovation. I think all regulators worldwide uh, have or at least create created um, a directorate or a group that is looking particularly into new and disruptive technologies. Um, But it is the same law applying to everyone, which means that if a startup starts doing regulated business, it needs to comply with the law. And there are no no exceptions because it is a startup or because it is using new and disruptive technologies. Finally, I think, um, a, an important piece of legislation that, um, concerns all these new technologies and startups as well as incumbent insurers need to think about is the general data protection regulation, a huge piece of regulation adopted in 2016 by the European uh, Union uh, trying uh, to protect um, individuals um, against the, the, the use or of their personal data by giving them uh, more rights and more control, hopefully, over their personal data and the use that is made of their personal data. But this piece, piece of legislation was adopted for a centralized world. And therefore, if you start to think about how you can apply it to these new and disruptive technologies, that uh, that might there might be some issues, even though there are also a lot of solutions and regulators data protection regulators showed that they can also be open-minded and uh, try to be proactive and help uh, adapt this piece of legislation to new technologies and vice versa. But there are still some, some areas where there are huge question marks. For example, how can you explain how an AI learns, right? So, if uh, a decision is taken by an AI and uh, personal data is uh, is processed, by an AI, how uh, can you explain to the data subject how this decision was was taken if even computer scientists from what I know are not able to explain how AI learns, right? So here, uh, there there might still be some challenges that need to to be taken into account. Uh, when you use new and disruptive technologies. The EU published the digital finance uh, package recently, but in this digital finance package, even though uh, obviously they try to to move with the technology and propose new and innovative legislation for these new technologies, there's nothing in particular on the insurance or insure tech uh, sector um even though there are some propositions on for example crypto assets and this might have a spillover effect on the way blockchain is used in general and therefore indirectly affect also insurers that are interested in this uh, in this technology but this is this remains to be seen and there are also works at the level of the European Commission on robotics and ai and especially ethical questions so slowly the legislation and the regulator in the broad sense of the term, um, well, try to catch up with these technologies. But it is always very difficult to decide when and how to regulate, because if you regulate too quickly, you might hamper uh, the, the development of these new technologies. And a lot of them are still at the beginning i mean blockchain is still work in progress and also ai we ai still has a huge potential and so we are not at, we're not at a level where we see what it is we see the risks and uh, there is no evolution possible so you also need to keep some flexibility, uh, some flexibility in mind and on the other hand you need to protect uh, individuals against excesses and abuses that obviously also exist uh, with these new technologies. It's not so much about the technology, but it's about the way people use these technologies. So they they can be used uh, in a a smart way, but they can also obviously be used with uh, a little bit less legitimate purposes.
0: Right. And I guess along those lines, I'm reminded of the idea that um, in the U.S., Any insurance broker needs to be registered in any state that they're working. And some companies are using these AI-fueled chatbots as brokers. So it's not a person, it's a chatbot that's fueled by AI technology that communicates with a customer and then proposes insurance policies to that person and then can conclude that contract. And some companies have been taking the position that since this isn't a person who is a broker, it's just a chatbot, it doesn't need to pursue registration in each state. And so that's that's kind of an example where the regulations may need to adapt or catch up with the technology to make sure that everyone's fulfilling uh, the, I think the spirit of the law that there is some regulation behind this to protect consumers
1: Exactly and as you mentioned uh, chatbots were actually talking to the consumer or the policy potential policy holder and actually selling uh, insurance products uh, one problem we see in Europe is that you're wondering if the, the insurer has a duty to inform the, the consumer right and to mm-hmm. counsel the consumer So, can you make sure or can you say that because you used a chatbot, you actually complied with this duty? Is the chatbot giving the consumer – can you make sure that the chatbot is giving the consumer tailor-made information based on whatever the consumer needs – So, um, here you might have a question of regulatory compliance, whether it is possible to replace uh, the human being working for the insurer who is actually giving, uh, talking to the client and counseling the client and based on the information and on the needs of the client proposing a product, can that be replaced by a chatbot and can we still say that uh, the, the insurer is complying with his or her obligations.
0: Right, exactly. And I think we need to remember these rules don't exist just because we need to have rules. There's a reasoning behind all of these rules, uh, whether it's to protect against discrimination or there's some sort of ethical value that we're trying to put forward. That's all the time we have for today, but on our next episode, we will go through important issues that players in the space need to consider, specifically around regulatory activity and developments. And thank you to everyone for joining this edition of FI Insight. We hope that you found this conversation helpful. Please do watch out for our next episode.